0: All right, John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles this morning, and uh, I'm in a series called The Finish Line. I love this time of year because I like to look at Jesus who was on a journey up to Jerusalem. He had set out a course and he was bound and determined to finish that race. You know, a lot of mornings I'm up at about 4.30 and I like to go run at the gym. I might go for two or three mile runs at 5 a.m. I would love to have you join me. Friday morning, I didn't feel like running, though, man. (laughs) I did go, because I knew it would be my day right. You know, set it off right. But when I think about Jesus, he did not want to go through everything he went through. But he set his face like Flint, and he was determined to finish that race. He was determined to die. It's a remarkable story. John chapter 12, I want to read verse 14, 15, and 16, and then we're going to pray. It says that Jesus... When he'd found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered the things that were written about him that they had done these things to him. Let's pray, Father. I thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. I pray it be like fire sharp in my bones. Thank you for a word in season to people who are weary. Thank you for strengthening us. I pray, Lord, that we would have the right perspectives and the right responses in life to celebrate who you are today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen, amen. Mm. Uh, This verse jumped out at me, verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. Uh, That's an interesting verse right there. How many times in life have there been things I just simply got wrong did not fully understand. If you remember, uh, we had owned another piece of property that we bought down the street. And I was totally convinced that we were going to build in that property. I preached sermons about it. We had architectural rendings. We were ready to go. We had meetings. We had plans. We laid it out for everybody. And we ended up in a completely different building over here. (laughs) Sold that property. And I just think that the Lord was in the middle of that, although I didn't fully understand it at the time. I mean, that's funny how God does those things to you. Like when you got married, you thought marriage would go one way, (laughs) and we'll leave it right there. (laughs) (laughs) Or you have kids, and you just assume that your children would be perfect, and they got to be about four, (laughs) 14. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You had a job that it didn't turn out to be fulfilling. I have a church full of wonderful people, and I thought everybody would get along. <laughs> it's amazing to understand these things go the way that you think. And, and when I think about this verse, the disciples did not understand these things at first. It took his crucifixion, it took his resurrection, until they could start looking back and remembering, realizing what was taking place. What I find so interesting in this passage of Scripture is that what the disciples thought was going to be the coronation of a king turned out to be the crucifixion of a Savior. Mm. It's an inconvenient truth. Things are not always as they seem. Isn't that the case? I mean, that, that happens in life to people in so many ways. And before Jesus could become the king, he had to be the suffering servant that Isaiah wrote about. That's something the disciples did not understand at the time. I mean, they were convinced that... He was ready to come into the kingdom. And it's amazing to me how many times the disciples just did not understand what Jesus was doing. And we we said that last week. Three times he had said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'll be resurrected. And and they didn't understand the things when he said it. And once again here in this case, they don't fully understand uh, Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah 9.9 says the king was going to come in on a donkey symbolizing his humility and and they kind of looked right beyond that. They they didn't understand the moment that they were in. You know, they they had the idea about Zechariah's prophecy in the second part of that verse Zechariah 9:10 which was that he was going to have dominion from sea to sea. And they they thought he would just come in and enter the city of David, sit on the throne of David and take the kingdom from the Romans. They didn't understand that before he could do that, he had to be that suffering servant. It it was kind of lost on them. But you know who the moment was not lost on? Was Jesus himself. He was aware of what was going to take place. That's why he came in weeping in Luke's gospel. And he wanted to stretch his hands out over the people of Jerusalem, but he said, you are not not willing to listen. You didn't know the time of your visitation. They'd missed what the Lord was doing. And I just think, man, that happens to people in life so often. You're set on something you're going in a course and, and it seems like man I, I'm sure it's going to happen this way and it didn't happen like that that's where the disciples found themselves at. I, I was thinking about uh, when we had kid number three I, I I you know didn't know if I wanted to have three kids <laughs> two felt pretty good but the Lord turned my heart and I remember we had that third kid our baby girl Abigail and I am so happy I had Abigail but I remember thinking to myself, what did I just get into? And I asked the Lord about it, and He gave me a great verse from John 13, which said, what I'm doing now, you don't understand. But one day you will. (laughs) And that got me thinking, man, that sometimes things just don't go the way you you think they're going to go. And that leads to all kinds of disappointments, doesn't it? That's where people get hurt. They get frustrated, disillusioned. They start feeling like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm questioning God's plan. People start getting annoyed. You know, I, I watch this all the time in people's hearts when they go through it. I have found, though, that in moments like that, the question you have to ask is not why is this happening? The question you have to ask is how. How will I respond in this situation? What will my response be? And that is what the disciples had to determine. What is their response going to be to the king right here? I mean, how are you going to respond to King Jesus? Let me give you another inconvenient truth I've discovered, that our response to the king often mirrors our response to the cross. This is where people get chipped up and confused. He is the king, and he's given us the victory. And I'm thankful for that victory, but he is a king who came lowly, riding a donkey, carrying a cross. And sometimes we don't fully understand the implications of everything around that. So what I want to do is walk you through the passage of Scripture this morning, And I want to ask the question, how are you going to respond to King Jesus? He's a king who's worth celebrating. But sometimes there's some questions that have to be answered about What should your response be? Look at John 12, look at verse number 12. Back up to verse 12. He said, the next day, a great multitude had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him and they cried out, Hosanna, which means the Lord saved. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They called him the king of Israel. Someone say the king. king. Yeah, see, they're they're claiming his his, his messiahship, his his kingdom. Now, here's the first response that people have. It's that some people respond with adoration. They're celebrating him, cutting down palm trees, and, and they are worshiping him. They're revering him. There's celebration in the streets. And there's something about praising King Jesus that's so wonderful. That's why I like reading David in the Psalms. I mean, David said in Psalm chapter 30 that we should sing to the Lord all the time, remember his holy name. Psalm 1, says you should applaud him, bless him, worship him, love the name of the Lord your God. I I like what uh, the 150th Psalm, let everything that has breath, that's you and me, praise the Lord everything that has breath. And in case you didn't get it, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything, give thanks. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks when you're up, give thanks when you're down. Give thanks when things go well, give thanks when things don't go well. Give thanks when you understand things and maybe even when you don't understand. That's the point right here. And these guys are out celebrating the King. Hey, Jesus is worth celebrating. Did you know that? He, he won the victory, man. Death, hell, and the grave overcame them. I love celebrating him. I love worshiping him. He's the Lord of lords, the king of kings, worth my adoration. Oh, I love it. But you know, not everybody does celebrate the king like that sometimes, do they? Not everyone but the cross, the cross. Easy to celebrate the king. Not always easy to celebrate the cross, but the cross, that without the cross, there would be no kingdom. Without that cross, there would be no savior. And, you know, the, the thing about his cross is it's the power. It's what backs up his lordship, his cross. Let, let's talk about why I celebrate the cross. He came in as a king, but he carried a cross. Now, the thing about that cross, man, it has delivered me from bondages. That's why I love it. It's, it's, it's a bondage-breaking thing he carried. Now, I remember when I was in sin, a rebellious teenager, you've heard me tell this story. And how the Lord delivered me out of that, like in in one night, broke the power of sin. And the thing I was struggling with was being rebellious. And I had a problem with alcohol. Not everyone does have that problem, but in my life, it was a bondage. And I remember how the Lord delivered me and set me free. So I thank God for the cross. Yeah, the cross is the thing that's given me power in relationships. You know, the, the cross is the place where my will and his will meet. And when I'm in relationship with people and I have the power of the cross working in my life, his lordship in my life, that's where I can be a better man, a better husband, a a better parent, a a better person to serve somebody. I'm willing to lay my life down and be a blessing to somebody else. I thank God for that cross because it's helped me navigate relationships. That cross has been the thing that has given me power over discouragement. You know what happens when you look at the cross and you have your eyes on Jesus and what he did? You get your eyes off of yourself. I think a lot of times that's where people have problems because they got their eyes on themselves. They're a little too worried about, you know, what's taking place in their own heart and their own situation. They're looking at other people and their problems. But when you have your eyes fixed on the cross, that's where, because you know, Jesus has given us the victory right there. He's the one that overcame in that cross. I don't have to be discouraged. I've got the victory working in my life. I'm grateful for the cross. The cross is the place that gives you power over temptations. He set you free. Yeah, I had to laugh because I told you I struggled with alcohol, and it was something that, and you know, recently I haven't had a drink of alcohol since the 16th of May, 1998. And you know, recently I was just in this trip to Pakistan. You know, you've heard me talk about that. I love traveling like that. It gives me sermon illustrations. So, Pakistan is an interesting place. I was happy to get to Rome. We had a stayover in Rome, and the best thing about it was lasagna and no cheese. And I was eating on the streets, eating food, hugging Italians, telling them how much I love their food. <laughs> oh, it was so good to eat something. And after the meal, a guy came over, and he had what, what my friend Joel and I thought would be like a cup, like mouth rinse or something. So we just drank it down, and I realized I had, was drinking booze right there. Took a shot of something, I didn't know what it was. I I kissed the waitress on the way out. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) But I do remember not having any temptation. And I had just told you a few weeks ago, it was a struggle. And it's like the Lord took that away in that moment. I was grateful to be there (laughs) with Joel. I had no idea what they gave us. But I was so grateful that the Lord's power was right there. You know, it could be in your life that the problem that you have is that you haven't been praising God enough for the victory he's purchased in your life. That could be why you're down, discouraged, dumped. That. that could be why things aren't working so well for you. It's because you're not responding with praise to the king. He is a king. He carried a cross. He's worth celebrating. And I love and thank him forever. In fact, why don't you just practice it right now and just start thanking him for something. That you Think about how he delivered you, how he saved you, how he's provided for you. He's given you a wife. He's, he's, he's put you in the right position in life. He's, he's so good to you. And it's worth just thanking him and praising him and blessing him. But I love him and I, he is my king, my savior, my lord. I'm grateful for him. I worship him and I bless him. But you know, not everybody does respond that way. Palm Sunday, we're up in here celebrating. But people all across the world, not everyone is celebrating King Jesus. Because some people respond a little bit like the Pharisees did now. Let me give you a second response to Jesus. Look at John 12 and verse number 19. It said that the Pharisees, You know who these guys are, right? Mm -hmm. They they were jealous and upset because of what he'd done in raising Lazarus from the dead and the success that he'd had. And so they said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. And you can just hear the cynicism in their voice when they said, man, the whole world has gone after him. So here's the second response people have. It's that they respond with frustration. Some people have adoration. They love him. They celebrate him. But some people respond to the king, and some people respond to the cross with frustration. Uh, They rejected him. It is so interesting to me that even in Jesus' resurrection, Matthew 28, it tells us that they saw him and they worshiped him, but Matthew 28, 17 says that some doubted. Not everyone does believe. Not everyone does accept and receive Jesus at his popularity. Many of them that you could just hear it in their voice. They're frustrated at his popularity. Man, I'm here celebrating Palm Sunday, the coming of the Lord. We know the story. I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday. You ought to bring a friend out of the church with you next week. We're going to have a great service celebrating his resurrection. But there are people who don't buy it. And the thing that the Pharisees were struggling with. What was they got frustrated by him. They were offended at him. Here's what I've discovered about frustration. Frustration is always found in offense. Yeah. When you get offended at somebody, right. it produces this frustration that you have. Jesus offended the Pharisees. They rejected him. They were jealous of him. And you read about how they envied him, they were afraid they would lose their status with the Romans and they became what Paul called them Philippians, enemies of the cross. They literally positioned themselves against the work of God. That, that's an incredible thing. The thing about the cross is that it is an offense to people. Galatians chapter five, the cross of Christ is an offense. The reason why it's so offending is because human people are prone to try to earn things from God. And the cross is a finished work which tells us that my salvation is rooted in faith and grace in the Lord Jesus. I don't have to do anything but receive it. And that bothers religious people. That bothers people who feel like they have to justify and earn a position or a status with God. And the beautiful, wonderful thing about Christianity is it's a free gift that's given to us. So if you're a person who doesn't know how to receive freely from the Lord, the idea that it's already been done, there's nothing that you can do but receive it, it's like it starts agitating you. And, and that's what happened to the Pharisees right here. They started getting upset about Jesus, about the celebration he was having, about how people loved him. Think thing about offenses that are so interesting it, it is when you start getting offended, you start getting frustrated. I'll tell you what it does is it stops the grace of God from working in your life. Galatians 2, verse 21, I love that verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God, Paul said. Paul had really stepped into the grace of God. He, he was getting people saved that were Gentiles. They, they didn't have to earn it, they didn't have to work for it. He was, te- I mean, the grace of God was revolutionary in the first century church, and it took everyone by surprise. Now, I can tell, mm, I can tell whenever I get frustrated with something because there's a lack of grace. Grace is what makes things so easy in your life. Grace is God's ability to just naturally enable you to do something, and it's like no sweat. It's like things get easy for you in the grace of God. That's how your gift operates. But when you feel frustrated, when you feel like, I can't get a door to open, if, if there's a door that you're pushing on, pushing on, pushing on, and it won't open, that's when I've discovered I'm outside of God's grace. And instead of keep trying to push something that I feel like may not open, I start looking or entering through the doors that God has opened for me. I find easier routes. I find the grace of the Lord to lead me in a dream. Isn't it His grace that whenever there's a sense of frustration, that the Lord oftentimes isn't His grace in there. I just try to follow. I go where the grace goes. I walk with Him. He makes my yoke easy, my burden light. It's easy to follow Him when you're walking in grace, man. He makes things so easy for you doesn't have to be hard. His grace makes it easy, but if you're always frustrated, it can be challenging. You know, another inconvenient truth about the grace of God, this is something I've discovered in travel, that when you get frustrated because you're offended, it will take you to a point, this is a true thing, where you end up becoming a murderer. Let Let me say that. Frustration gives birth to murder. You have two religions in the world, the religion of Cain and the religion of Abel, Genesis chapter 4. And you remember the story there in Genesis. Abel brought forth the first of his flock, the blood sacrifice, and it was accepted in the eyes of God. But Cain's offering was rejected. Cain had brought the first of the ground before the Lord. He didn't accept that offering because he'd cursed the ground. And what those two pictures are for us are the two religions in the world: a religion of works that's based in frustration and effort that God never does receive, and a religion based upon the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of a lamb. And one religion is going to produce martyrs, and one is always gonna produce murderers. And 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 that is how, like, you see, religion play out in the world. Because Jesus warned about it. He, He said, there's a day coming when they're going to kill you, and they're going to think that they did an offering to God. They think it blessed the Lord to kill you. I'm telling you, persecution is rising in the world around us. Right. you you got, you got to watch what's taking place in the world. I know I've been to countries now where it's you know heavy persecution, violence, pastors are getting martyred. It, th- this is happening with increasing things in our world, and it comes because people lack an understanding of God's grace. They feel like they have to earn their salvation. And if, when you get frustrated enough feeling that you can't have a relationship with God and you want to prove yourself, its end is always in murder. I know that is an inconvenient thing to hear. Yeah. I think about what happened this last week in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, that broke my heart yeah. to see you know a, a school shot up with kids. And I'm telling you, the root cause is people who don't have a feeling that they're loved and understand the grace of God, His acceptance, the forgiveness of sin. And and frustration will take people to the craziest ends. So I I am grateful for God's grace. I am grateful to be born again, blood-bought, that my sin's forgiven, my conscience is cleansed. And by the way, I'm grateful to have a lot of people in church uh, who carry guns. (laughs) (laughs) Like half the church in Montana and places like that carries guns. Guns, because listen, man, you, you never know in the world today if persecution be a target. I'm, I'm just telling you, you got to be aware that there's a rise of persecution in the world, and you don't want to bury your head in the sand about it. You got to be awake about it. Listen, I'm just telling you, this is where we are in the world right now. And any church can be a target these days. This, this is just, I, I was in a Pastor's University in Florida. And they have contacts now. Churches have hotlines to the FBI for figuring out how you can prevent attacks, shooters. This is the real world we live in. And it stems from offense and frustration where people get angry at things. That's why I am grateful for the grace of God. God's grace is good enough for me. God's grace sustains me. God's grace carries us through that. Are you grateful for the grace of God? You ought to be, man. How will you respond to the king? You adore him and you love him? You get frustrated by it? Let me give you a third thought. And I think this is the greatest way you can respond to him. Verse 23, John 12, verse 23. Jesus answered, and he said to them, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He said, I'm I'm ready to die. I'm going to be resurrected. That's what he's telling. And he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He's telling them that he's about to multiply himself. He said, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it. And if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Someone say, follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now, here's the third way that you can respond to King Jesus. And this is a way to respond to the cross. Some people respond with submission, like this absolute obedience to who he is and servitude in their lives, an unwavering following of him. I like Revelation chapter 14, when the Bible calls them virgins, it says, who follow the lamb wherever he goes. Man, that's the way I want to walk with Jesus. I want to follow him wherever he leads, wherever he goes. I want to follow him. You know, submission is when you surrender your will to the to the will or the strength or the power of someone else. And that's an element here of carrying the cross and having a king in your life. But you know, I gotta tell you, submission is a difficult thing for Americans to comprehend. (laughs) Because I was up in Canada a few weeks ago and I was explaining to the Canadians the cultural differences between Canadians and Americans. Canadians, you know, were asking me about like COVID-19 and and, and all that. I just told them, in America, when people feel like the government is infringing on them, their natural reaction, in many cases, is to get defensive. That's what Americans tend to do. I mean, we were based on uh, a bunch of people who got upset about taxation. <laughs> yeah. I went there uh, to the Boston Tea Party Museum. I saw it, and uh, it's a funny thing. Now we live in this world where we just kind of accept things <laughs> exist in Americans, go along with it. But there is an element of, like, uh, uh, like don't tell me what to do that exists in Americans, and so what that has created is a little bit of rebelliousness in people. And that makes it hard to submit fully when you feel like God is asking you to do something. Your this is part of carrying a cross and having a king. The phrase, follow me, is when Jesus invited all his disciples to follow him. Um, he said to Matthew, follow me. And that, that is a request to come be my disciple. And it flies in the face of a consumeristic church culture that we're engaged in right now. Because he said, follow me, I'll make you disciples. He didn't say that it was going to be comfortable. He didn't say that things would be easy. He didn't say that you know everything would be the way you want it to be. He said, follow me. Let, Let me just talk to you about what submission in your life would look like when you accept him as a king, when you submit to his lordship, when you carry a cross. Submitting to Jesus means that you have to submit. You may be called upon to submit your livelihood to him. I mean, think about what Jesus said to Peter, James, and John. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Get get out of the business you're doing, fishing, and come follow me. He might call you to leave your occupation to fully follow him. He might call you in that occupation to do everything you can to glorify him. Take that business that you have, be a blessing in his name. I mean, that's a sacrifice of submitting yourself to the Lord. He, he, he said, you might have to leave that field of work behind. Uh, he said, you should submit without hesitation and without reservation. He said to one man, follow me. And he said, I got to go bury my mother and my dad. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You come and follow me. That went against the culture of the day. But his idea was like, come right now when I ask you to come. And there are moments in life when God might actually call you to submit to him by going in the moment. You may never get that moment again. That momentary, without reservation, without hesitation, I will follow the Lord wherever he might lead me. That's part of his lordship. That's part of his kingdom. That's a part of carrying a cross and following him. There might be a time in life when you've got to lay down desires to come after I mean, I think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, if any man desires to come after me, he said, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. These are the statements Jesus made about submitting to him, surrendering him, following him wherever he goes. And that means there's things that you may not want to do. Like you might have to actually help your buddy move on a Saturday. (laughs) There's certain agendas you might have that you have to let go of to be a blessing to somebody else. It's, It's part of submitting to him. He said, you got to submit your finances to him. You know, when the rich young ruler came, he said he was trying to prove himself. He was trying to justify himself. He was trying to say, you know, what What I still got to do to be right with you? And, and Jesus said, well, you could sell everything you have. You could give it to the poor, and you have treasures in heaven, and follow me. And I'm telling you, that is one thing the Lord will ask you to do at some point. He will ask you to give financially. He will ask you to give sacrificially. He asks you to put them first. And he says that's the thing that you can test him with. He's asking us to make some commitments like that. That's submitting and surrendering to his lordship. Let me tell you about Christianity in the first century. He might ask you to fully lay down your life. I mean, that's what he said to Peter in John 21. John 21. He, he spoke about the way in which Peter would die and glorify God. That's what he said to Peter. When you're old, you go where I want you to go. He, he's indicating his death. I mean, think about that. He, he, he called Peter to be a martyr. Now, when I was in Rome a few weeks ago, we went to this place called the Mamertine Prison. It's probably my favorite historical site I've been to, where Peter and Paul were both kept in prison. Tradition is that Peter was buried... Across the Tiber River, over where the present-day Vatican is, and in St. Peter's Basilica, they have the grave where Peter's said to be. He was crucified upside down. It cost him his life. He was martyred for the Lord. I mean that, that's the place that Jesus asked him to. Speak. He said, "You can lose your life. that's what we just read here. Peter was willing to do that. And when Jesus said that to Peter, it offended Peter. He looked at John, he said, "What about this man? John 21?" Here's the, where the rubber meets the road for things you have to submit. You might have to submit your attitude to Him. Now, this is where it gets real for people. He may not ask you to be a martyr, but He might ask you to submit your attitude. That is where a lot of people struggle with because it's like the last bit of energy you have to hold on to something. But submitting your attitude to Him is the place where you can walk in love and be a blessing to somebody else. I mean, How often does he call you to do that? Like when you power tripping on somebody and you think you're right about it and then the Lord steps in and he says, oh, no, you need to say you're sorry. Come on, somebody. That's where submission gets real. (laughs) That's the hardest thing to submit because that's the last thing that you have to hold on to. I'm just telling you, he'll ask you to submit those things to him. What happens when you follow him? What happens when you say, not my will, but your will, and I will follow you. You're the king and I'm going to submit to you. Let me tell you what happened. First of all, you get treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Follow me and you get treasures in heaven. Now, Listen, people are caught up right now with like the American dream. (laughs) I thought I bought a house and I would flip it and now there's nowhere to go. (laughs) I'm grateful to have that house. I'm grateful I got it finished. But man, things didn't go exactly the way I planned it. And when I look at like the American landscape right now, I mean, there are nations of the world working to undermine the U.S. dollar system. I mean, they're they're actively at work. We're talking about digital currencies. They're they're telling us that Social Security is close to being insolvent. And I'm just telling you, you can try all you want to plan in this life, but there's a greater life that's coming. And if you want treasures in heaven, follow after him. Give to the Lord. Put him first. Yeah. When when you follow him fully, I'll tell you what happens, is uh, you won't walk in darkness. That's what he said in John chapter 8. I'm the light of the world, if any man... has my light in his life, you follow me, and you will not walk in the darkness. You won't be deceived. Man, it, there's so much deception in the world today. And uh, something so interesting to me was when I was in Dubai. Very moderate, Muslim country, incredible place to visit. Like it's super first world. A- and, and yet, you can kind of feel the spirit of the age and the merging of religions. I mean, they, they, they have monuments that are being built. They have yeah, interfamilial, interreligious groups that they're getting together with. And it's like you can kind of feel that one world religion that the Bible speaks of forming in these last days. And if you aren't fully submitted to the Lord, you might be deceived by what is happening in the world today. I'm telling you, I saw it with my eyes. I experienced it firsthand seeing it. If you submit to Him fully, you'll hear His voice. John 10 27. He said, My sheep know my voice and they follow after me. When you hear the voice of the Lord in your life, I'm telling you, it brings such comfort to you. It brings such clarity. It, bring, it brings such uh, direction to decision making you have to make. There's nothing more wonderful than sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his voice. I'm grateful for his voice, man. Grateful to hear it. Grateful to sit. Grateful to listen to him. When you fully follow him, when you submit to him, when he's the king, It tells us in John 12, verse 26, we just read it, that his favor will be on your life. Uh, He will honor you. That's what he said. My father will honor him. What does that mean to have the father honoring you? It it just means that his presence will be with you wherever you go. His presence is what brings answers to problems you have. His presence is what brings peace in your life. And there is nothing more wonderful and more joyous than the peace and the presence of the Lord that comes from him. That's what happens when you walk with him. His favor's there. His, the Bible says in Proverbs, and walks with you, and there's something wonderful about the favor of the Lord. Yeah. You know, I, I like what the Bible says in Proverbs 18. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And uh, that'd be a good place to make a joke about marriage, but I won't do it. I will only say that marriage didn't turn out exactly be the way I thought it would be. It actually turned out to be better than I thought. Right. <laughs> there's something wonderful about being married. I found a wife, and the favor of God was there with me. Let me ask you this morning about uh, responding to his lordship. What's that like in your life? What? What's it like? What's his lordship like? Maybe if you're with him, you've got to respond with worship. How will you respond to the king? By worshiping him. Some people love to worship Jesus. And you can always tell people who love the Lord because it's like uh, grains of wheat when the wind blows. And their heart is like Soft. And, and, and they'll just, when the spirit of the Lord is moving, it's like, man, that, that wind just blows and they'll surrender to him. And I love seeing that, I love that in church. I love watching people worship God. But not everyone does respond that way. Because sometimes you know, they, they, they might respond with rejection. And it's a little bit like the uh, tares in the field. And you can identify tares in the field because they don't blow in the wind, they don't bow down, they just stand straight up. And I can always tell when someone is rejecting or struggling Because they don't know how to respond to the Holy Spirit's movement, they don't. When they sense it, they just stand straight up. That's what happens to religious people. They have a hard time entering into worship. They have a hard time worshiping God. I have to give myself my own my own heart check sometimes. I might have certain things where I'm like, "Mm, I don't I don't know if I feel that that's right. I have to investigate my own heart. Um, Maybe you got to respond by submitting to Him, fully submitting yourself to the Lord. Ask yourself what you're willing to lay down, because I'm telling you, there's some things He might call upon you to lay down. There's some attitudes, there's some activities, there's some things in your heart. I want to fully surrender to the Lord. I want to I pray. You know, I feel in my spirit to do something right now. I think that we should just take a moment, and I want you to just worship the Lord with me for a little bit here. Put your, just take a moment. I want to enter into His presence. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, let's just pray in the Spirit together. And, and just worship him and just bless him, his presence in this room. Lord, I bless you, and I love you, and I worship you, and I just thank you this morning. Mm. I want to come before you and worship you. Mm. Is there any kind of music we have back there at all? Anything? Or can I get someone in the keys or something? Lord, I, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're working on it, sorry. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I feel like we just need to just wait on it for a moment. Father, I just bless you and I worship you. I bless and I worship you. I worship the Lord. I bless you. And I love you. And I honor you. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord. I want to submit my life to you, Lord. I want to surrender to you. I feel like the Lord's just asking people to surrender more fully. Add it. I might have preached something that, that bothered you today. You might have felt like it stepped on your toes just like I did right there. I'm telling you, though, the Lord wants to get further in your heart. He wants to take you deeper. Hmm. Maybe you've been sitting on the outside for so long haven't really entered in fully to Him. I feel like it's time this morning if you start really walking with Him. Now look back. Hmm. Hey, just, just wait I hear the Lord with me for a moment here. Father, we just thank you. We want to go deeper. We want to go stronger. Lord, I thank you for mm, following after you fully. I want to follow after you, Lord. I want to bless and love the Lord. I love you and I worship you. Lord, I want to be like those celebrating Jesus. Celebrating him. Mm. He is worth celebrating people. Lord, we love you. We bless you. He's worth it, he's worth it, he's worth it, he's worth it. He is worth it. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. You are worthy. Mm. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Man, I'm grateful for what the Lord's done for me. I'm grateful. And I pray, Lord, over the people of God this morning for fully surrendering ourselves to him. Lord, I thank you for a church with people who worship God. I pray, Lord, that we would surrender our lives and love them not to the death, go after you with everything that we have, follow after you with nothing in our, nothing in our way. I pray that, Lord. Sold out people. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. I was thinking about Jesus on his uh, journey to Jerusalem, up the Mount of Olives I've been there down the Kidron Valley, up to the Eastern Gate. He made that journey in a donkey being celebrated. Can you imagine the scene that day? All the chaos that must have existed. All the crowds praising him. All the celebration that took place. It probably seemed like a chaotic chaotic thing. Streets full of people. But I'm going to step out on a limb and tell you it's still not as crazy and chaotic as driving in Pakistan. (laughs) They have no rules over there and they have millions of people. And I was laughing because my friend Joel, he was from a farm, and he said, I like to drive everywhere I go. I have to be the guy driving. If I can't drive, I'm not happy. I'm not comfortable. I always want to be that guy driving. But when you get to Pakistan and you see that no one follows the rules, and you don't know which way to take, and and you, you know, have no idea how bad it is, Joel said, you know, I'm, I'm content to just sit and let someone else drive. The driver knew how to get there. We trusted him. And that's what I've discovered life is through all the chaos through the ups. He's driving the car. He knows the way to heaven. I trust him. I, I'm going to walk with him through all the chaos through the ups and the downs. Jesus knows the way to take me to heaven. Now, if you haven't submitted yourself to him, you not fully trusted him. You, you, you may be in someone else's car. You might be in the wrong ride. And instead of going to heaven, you might end up in a landfill somewhere in Pakistan. He's telling you. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know the Lord. want to give you a chance His lordship driving the car with him Mm. if you want to raise a hand I want to pray with you father we just thank you for these people I I pray Lord you just put a fire in them to reach the lost I pray God that you put friendliness in them to be a blessing to people I pray Lord they would have uh, a desire to reach people for Jesus yes stir us up Lord life stealing. Amen, and amen, and amen. 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 I guess I feel like, you know, like we can dismiss the service here, but boy, I, I just feel like the Lord is calling us personally to go deeper. And deeper, and deeper, and deeper as people. That means deeper in your own devotional time. Deeper in your own prayer time. It means you make time for it means that you're focused upon him. It means that you're willing to make sacrifices. I want to encourage you with that this week. Think This is Holy Week. Think about the sacrifice he made for you. Think about everything he endured. I feel like the Lord it is like tugging at people's heart to fall after him. And you know, you can look at the world and you can say, man, it just seems like things are going crazy. Or you can see it that God is awakening people. I'm telling you, there's people who are being awakened, and stirred all around the world. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up this morning. And it's great to have you out in the house of the Lord. I, I love you. you. If you got to go, uh, that's great. We'll catch you all next week. Bring someone out to church. we got something going on Wednesday. I, and I wanted to say that the men's meeting here, um, we're going to meet on Tuesday morning for the next couple weeks. I'm going to bring bagels and coffee. And I felt like the Lord directed me to just spend four weeks praying with the men. So if you want to come out at 6.30 Tuesday morning, we will be praying uh, just as men together. I think it's really crucial. That's something the Lord put on my heart. So I'll bring a little something, something for you, but it, we'd love to have you pray with us. Now, I was just getting here closing out and I feel the Holy Spirit on me. And Nikki, I saw you stand right up. Either you're eager to go or I saw you jump up. I felt like when I saw that, though, the Lord highlighted something. And I just feel like the Lord is going to bless the, the, like, the first... 20 years of your life here, being alone and everything you went through I feel like the Lord is going to give you a better back half the next years of your life are going to be fruitful and effective in a much greater way than the first 20 yeah I want you to I want you to just pray over her. the just which is like the sh- in the name of Jesus I thank you for the path of the just which is like the shining of the sun that shines ever brighter than the perfect day God has a plan for your life and he is about to show it to you in a way I think that's going to, like, something, God's got something up his sleeve that's going to surprise you about where he wants to take you, what he wants to do with you. And if you'll be sensitive and ready, you'll see when it happens. He's got steps for you to take and plans. Lord, the the, the Bible says great and mighty things that he'll show you. So I pray over that, Lord. I pray when that when that pathway becomes clear. She's going to know it. She's going to see it. She's going to perceive it in the name of Jesus. I don't ever think He's forgotten you. He's got you right where He wants you at. So I just declare that over you, the blessing of the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Man, I love the Lord. I, I, I'm i so grateful we're back here at church with you. I love you so much. If you want prayer, the altars are open. We, we love you. You can be dismissed. I'm grateful for you. Um, if you wouldn't mind keep playing for a little bit, I'm just going to time praying here. I'd love to pray with you if you want something, but we love you very much. We'll catch you all next week.